0: Good morning. We are live on the Falcons podcast on Facebook, YouTube, and Twitter. This is the Falcons podcast. My name is Scott Kennedy. I will be your host along with my co-host over on this side, Nick Kendall. I am in Atlanta with a lot of y'all that are hurting right now, that are angry right now. This guy over here on this side, he's over in Seattle. So we go coast to coast with your football coverage. Nick, how are you doing this weekend, my friend? How's it going?
1: Doing pretty well. It was a pretty busy weekend. Starting to get uh, Christmas stuff together um, because we obviously have the baby coming, so it's a little bit uh, slower and <laughs> everything coming together. And we have uh, Monday Night Football tonight, so it was a good weekend overall. And Iowa advanced to uh, what eight and two on the season. Georgia and Alabama looked like who they are destined to be. Uh, it was a good weekend overall. Besides, besides the Falcons game.
0: Yeah, the Falcons game, but again, I, I feel like it gives us a little bit of clarity. Now in 2020, the year after Dan Quinn should have been fired, they they brought him back for another year and then they started off like 0-7, 1-7, somewhere in there. But I know they started off 0-4. Uh, they lost a game that they shouldn't have lost to the Dallas Cowboys where they had a 99% chance to win. The next week, they lost a game to the Detroit Lions where they had a 99% chance to win. And I was in charge of content over a group of writers at the time. And I emailed the Atlanta Falcons guys. His name's Terrence Moore. A lot of y'all probably know him. I said, email, I said, Terrence, write up your coaching candidate list uh, to replace Dan Quinn. Well, we got a note from the Atlanta Falcons saying, really guys, it's week four. We're like, yes, really, we've got a job to do. Well, he was gone by week seven, I think that year, you know, so that's not necessarily what this is. What we're talking about when I titled this the top head coaching candidates, I don't think Arthur Smith is going to be fired in the middle of this year. I think Arthur Smith will get the rest of the year to try and save his job. I think Atlanta Falcons fans have had enough, and we're here for you. We're here to tell you if something is to change, these are the top candidates. Now, I can give you a whole list of reasons. We can go, this won't even take that long, uh, list of reasons why changes should be made including four and six with the league's easiest schedule. The quarterback slate that you have gone against is, is historically inexperienced and or poor. Uh, The scoring offense has gone way down, regressed hugely. They had 70 yards of offense of passing offense with two top 10 receivers in the, in the, in the lineup. And they still have zero plan at quarterback. And for me, that one might be the biggest one, Nick, the two, if I'm looking at a team and my keys to winning are my quarterback play and getting after the quarterback, they've got giant Fs on both of those, Nick. And and that's that's the big one is they can't – they their quarterback play is, is subpar with no plan of improving it, and they still can't get after the passer. And we're in year three of the Arthur Smith and Terry Fontenot regime.
1: Yeah, I mean – to be fair, to the pass rush stuff, you are missing your two best players on that defensive front in this Arizona game. Uh, Grady Jarrett has been a massive loss for this team, obviously in hindsight. I mean, even bigger than I thought probably could have been possible. Uh, they just look like a completely different defense out there uh, for the most part without him, and uh, Anyamato has been been amazing uh, this season for the Falcons, so missing him hurts. As we mentioned many times, uh, the edge rushing for the Falcons, they're just missing Dudes, you got a lot of okay, you know, rotational utility kind of guys, but who's somebody that you can count on that can pin their ears back? I don't see that guy on the roster. All the draft picks you've had there have not really shown to be that caliber of pass rushers. The big reason I was like, hey, Chase Young, Montez Sweat, you know, maybe go out there and do something uh, if you want to be that team. But all roads lead back to quarterback. Um, As soon as the Falcons made that move of pulling Ritter and putting in Heineke, it felt panicky. Uh, to me a little bit. It's been sticking with him. I understand he had the injury and everything like that, but the sticking with him felt panicky. And then, cause we already know who Heineke is and he kind of showed it this week. I mean, completely inept performance, uh, n- no explosiveness from the game. I and mean, that's what you're trying to bring in with Heineke, right? I know. He, but, and see,
0: that's the thing, you know, I, I, Nick, I've, I've seen some, well, you know, Heineke wasn't this guy. I'm like, listen, you've got no excuses with the quarterbacks. And frankly, Taylor Heineke is not this bad you know, eight for 15 for 55 yards. That is absolutely not who Taylor Heineke is. That comes down to scheme, or you've just flat out missed on your receivers. Because I watched Taylor Heineke come to Atlanta and cut the Atlanta Falcons to shreds with Hollywood Brown. I remember him doing that. And uh, and who's their other really good uh, receiver? McLaurin, Terry McLaurin. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I've watched him do that. We, he's got 17 games over 200 yards, and he wasn't on pace for 100 in this game this isn't this isn't all on taylor heineke any more than it was all on desmond ritter that said two things can be true at once they're not the answer at quarterback and arthur smith is not doing a very good job of getting the best out of his offense
1: yep both things probably true um and it's just been a massive disappointment this year like you mentioned the road has been there for you you have not played many good quarterbacks when you've played quarterbacks it's been in unique odd circumstances where they're probably the worst they would be in that moment in time too in the last two weeks and uh, you come up flat a team that lacks a killer instinct and I mean just I Scott I can't get over the ineptitude of the explosiveness of the past game I mean 12 for 21 and 2.9 yards per attempt in the past game 2.9 I mean in the run game that's like oh man we stunk running the ball but hey you know it is running it's not going to be as explosive you don't get those uh, big chunk plays 2.9 in the pass, there's probably been five games this year where a team averages that low in terms of the per per attempt. Uh, so I, I don't know. I mean, when you invested this much in playmakers on the offense, I, it does come down to scheme and quarterback in the end. But, like, my God, how how can it be that inefficient?
0: Well, and here's the thing. What do you, where is the Atlanta Falcons? Where were they ranked coming into this Arizona Cardinals game in total offense? Don't look it up. Just you know, shoot it off the top of your head. You know what? What's your gut feel on this? Where were they seconds? ranked in total offense coming into this game? I would say about 20s twentieth eleven. Wow, eleven. They are ranked eleventh in total offense, and I think they're the only one in the top fifteen that is under twenty points per game. Is that you're just saying yards? Yes, just yards. Okay. Okay. Just just total offense scoring offense. They're still way down. So last year, they were down in total offense, but they were more efficient in scoring the ball. This year, they're not scoring, which is the more important part if you really do it. You know, if we really want to pay attention, yeah. scoring yeah. matters. <laughs> yeah, but They're 11, so they're still moving the ball. But this year, unlike years past, they were the least penalized team in the NFL last year. This year, it's like clockwork. You get to the five-yard line, there's going to be a penalty. There's going to be a penalty on the offensive line or John o. Smith had a nightmare yesterday between dropping a pass and then a holding call, which was crap anyway. Since when do pancake blocks become holding? That's the one that I've seen a couple times, not just with the Falcons this year. I've seen it a few times.
1: He blocked him too hard.
0: Yeah. You're you you, you you're, you've got your hands on him. You turn him. you put him on his back and they call holding. I'm like, all right, so I'm, I'm going to give him a pass on that one. But it's the deep, the offense is, moving the ball, but they're completely undisciplined now and making mistakes that they can't afford to make. And then again, you're not taking advantage of the people that you spent premium resources to try and get, which is, well, it's maddening to Atlanta Falcons fans, and it's not doing much for the record right now. Again, um, want to say hello to some folks before we start getting into this. And like I said, I'm not saying Arthur Smith is going to be fired of uh, he's got a chance to save his job but if it continues down this path who would be some options those are the things i want to get into uh we do this live because we like saying hello to folks and we like having the participation in the chat so y'all can be in here with us we're on uh, a couple of channels right now we're on youtube slash scott kennedy we're on atlanta falcons fans on all falcons and we're on scott kennedy sports on facebook i don't normally stream to scott kennedy sports on facebook but i am this time because this pod is going to involve several teams there where the Atlanta Falcons might be trying to pluck and not even just the Atlanta Falcons where lots of teams could be coming in in the offseason and trying to pluck your coordinators away from you or your head coach if we're, we happen to dip down into the college ranks I want to say hello to Edward Brown Edwards breaking the ice for us on YouTube he says 70 passing yards against the league's worst pass defense unfreaking believable they, they were 17th in yards I'll give them that uh, they were 17th in yards, um, but you know not completely healthy either. Uh, the offensive line was banged up for the Arizona Cardinals. And again, you mentioned losing Grady Jarrett and David Anyamata, but I'm, I'm still talking pressure. Now, you know how I feel about Grady Jarrett. Grady Jarrett and David Onyemata are still not your pressure players. This is still coming from the edge. The Falcons were not getting beat up the middle. Even with the loss of Anyamata and Grady Jarrett they've still in the last 2 weeks I'll have to remember back later but the last 2 weeks they're not getting beat up the middle of their offense defense apologies they're getting beat on the edges they still do not have edge defenders that are at the level of really NFL or the scheme around it um Bud Dupree's been playing well he's not all that fast ebiketti has been okay but when they rush four they flat out can't get to the quarterback and if the quarterback breaks containment, it's 20 yards. It's, it's, it's not, they're not getting beat up the gut. They're getting beat even without Anya Mata and Grady Jarrett. They're getting beat on the edge. And that's been a problem since I was born mm. and it has not been addressed. The two yeah. biggest problems on this team have not been addressed. Those are fireable offenses in three years.
1: Yeah. And the run defense is poor and the, uh, the linebacking overall in this game was poor as well. Uh, it wasn't just the run game, obviously, for Arizona, but uh, f- the first tight end drafted uh, two years ago, so there is something to that, I guess, but uh, Trey McBride looked like a superstar uh, against you guys. put that on the
0: linebacker, though.
1: I wouldn't totally put it on that. Well, who, know, who, who are you blaming this specifically?
0: One. Richie Grant had a nightmare.
1: Yeah. He, Richie Grant,
0: I don't know what PFF's going to say, but my seat of the pants analytics on grades for Richie Grant were bad. Yeah. Were bad. Uh Nate Landeman played great. I, I thought the guys, you know, I-, I still think of Trey McBride was doing a lot of his damage behind the linebackers. It was mm-hmm. this was safety in between the levels talk on him. This was yeah. this was more on Richie Grant. A second round pick at safety. I don't even want to look at the guys that went the, when the when the Falcons traded out of that spot, you know, Javon Holland. But you know, Drew Dahlman was a nice pickup in the fourth. That was when the Falcons traded with the Broncos. The Broncos moved up into the Falcon spot and took running back Javante Williams. The Falcons moved down and took Richie Grant in the second, and then uh, Drew Dahlman in the fourth. Not a bad trade overall, but Richie Grant has been really, really disappointing. Edward, thank you so much for coming in uh, with the support. Robbie Red feels the way a lot of us does, and this is why falconing is a verb or a noun or an adverb or uh, it's multiple uses. Robbie Red says, genuinely impressed with how consistent the Falcons are with these type of losses, finding new ways to lose. Dante Spade, he's singing us a song this morning. He says, hey, ho, Arthur, hey, ho, ho, Arthur Smith's got to go, ho, ho, I'm done with him. And again, I think a lot of Falcons country is. Um, Victor, good to see you, Victor. He says, hey, hey, guys, uh, this loss was written all over the place for me. Smith lost the locker room and the fans now. I don't see any path for him to continue as a Falcons head coach in 2024. I mean, there there is seven games. You go six and one. He'll be back. Uh, you know That's 10 and seven. But the Atlanta Falcons have had the easiest schedule in the NFL leading up to this point. They're four and six. And that's just talking record. We're not even talking circumstance. We're not talking about week one with a guy making his de- NFL debut. We're not talking week two. With a guy making his second career start, those are two year wins to start two and zero. We're not talking about getting beat by a guy that just got off the bus uh, in Josh Dobbs, who wasn't even supposed to start over a late day three pick who was making his NFL debut. The one guy you beat is lighting the place on fire in C.J. Stroud, um, you know, and you beat the you beat the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. You don't have a I don't think they have a win against a winning team. The Falcons have the easiest remaining schedule in the NFL. But to this point, that's got them to four and six. And frankly, the Saints are better than some of the teams that have beaten them.
1: Yeah, the Saints looked dreadful yesterday. At least you have that going for you. And the Buccaneers did win. Uh, But this is, you know, don't write the obituary just yet. This is really ugly right now. But uh, you had Tyler Heineke suffer a hamstring injury, obviously, in this game. And Ritter came in and looked better. There is a reality out there where they get it together um somewhat, at least given the schedule they play down the stretch and make the playoffs in a absolutely dreadful NFC South. So it's not totally written just yet. Now, what are the odds of that Scott happening right now? Based on what I've seen, I'd say maybe 15 to 25, which is not good considering you still have it in front of you. Uh, but uh it's it's rough right now for sure. Here's the thing, though, Nick, <clears throat> let's say.
0: Prater yanks that field goal and the and the uh the Falcons win. Would y'all feel really any different right now if the Falcons had won that game off a Prater missed field goal at the end of the game? And it was five and five, and you're sitting at the top of the NFC South. Would you feel any different? I don't think I would. I, I don't think I would. I, I'd still think you're a product of your schedule and your team is playing like ass. Yeah that's what i think. i think you are in your 3 of your regime when you've got your offense pretty much exactly the way you've wanted it between the offensive line, the draft picks, the quarterback that you didn't try and go out and upgrade in the offseason or you just didn't try and get earlier. we can, we've talked about that a lot where you decided you didn't need a quarterback in 2021 and you needed a tight end instead. um we've talked about that a lot. would you feel any different? i don't i don't think i would. And eking into the playoffs, what didn't the Bucks get in at eight and nine last year? Doesn't change the way I feel about this team.
1: Yeah, it would definitely be. It's hard to win in the NFL, though, Scott. At the same time, and if you are sitting there at five and five, I saw a lot of comments from somebody in here that the Falcons are in uh, purgatory, and you kind of, (laughs) you kind of are. Here we are. Uh, At least you are in the NFC in the NFC South, where. looks like the Panthers made a horrible decision at uh, quarterback in comparison to what other options were. So there is ability to turn this around. It's not like in the AFC where it's just young quarterback after young quarterback looking like superstars. Uh, So again, long-term Falcons have the ability to be okay, uh, but it feels bad right now without a doubt. And it feels like a missed opportunity as well. That's the frustrating thing. Uh, This is a year where you built up, you're out of the cap Hill. You went out there, you went and got the, took the running back. In the top eight, I mean, that's a we're going for it move. And this is not going for it right now. It's not working at all. So uh, I saw some comments in here. Maybe Arthur Smith has already lost the locker room. I don't know if that's the case. We'll see how hard they play uh, down the stretch here. But the as you mentioned, things were set up for this, the team to be good this season. The pieces were there. They haven't had an unbelievable string of injuries either. I mean, there's not many excuses for being four and six. And no, this
0: team should be eight and two. They They, they should be eight and two. Um, and I'll give, we're not giving the Minnesota Vikings enough credit. Um, but still that game's at home and Josh Dobbs is call, is writing plays in the rubber pellets at Mercedes-Benz Stadium. I used to say you used to draw them up in the dirt, but there is no dirt anymore. He's, he's, he's lining up rubber pellets out there to say, okay, you go here and you go here and, and you lose that game to the Vikings. Vikings have won five in a row now, I think. Um, so we're not giving them enough credit, but you should, that's a game. If you are going to be a playoff team, you should still win at home for God's sakes. Red swarm says happy Monday, fellas. And everyone in the chat We're improved considerably on the defensive side of the ball and have tried two quarterbacks. Now I think it's time to try a new head coach. Let's, uh, let's get into that a little bit, Nick. Um, I know one of the first guys on my list is, uh, is Ben Johnson. The offensive coordinator of the Detroit Lions and what they've been able to do, knowing how to use their weapons. Um, if you start looking man for man and piece for piece, thinking where the draft picks are, etc. One big difference they've got is the offensive coordinator and the quarterback and Jared Goff. But other than that, I would say he's doing a pretty damn good job of getting the most out of what he has. Jared Goff was considered a throw-in that the Detroit Lions were willing to eat some cap on until they got their quarterback of the future. Instead, he's become a guy that looked like the number one overall pick at one point.
1: That's coaching. It is coaching. I mean, there is also a baseline competency at the quarterback spot. He was the number one overall pick. He had had, had some pretty damn good years in uh, Rams as well. I would say that the Lions would emphatically disagree with you uh, that Goff was a throw-in because they did like him as well. Now, granted, their general manager came from uh, Los Angeles, the Rams. So they had a relationship there and everything. But <clears throat> overall, Ben Johnson's done a really good job. I mean, it's not like they are the m- most superpowered offense in the NFL, but you know they don't have a nuclear level quarterback, uh, so it's pretty hard to do that. But yeah, Ben Johnson was a really hot candidate last year, and the fact that they've gone back and there's been you know tape out there against him this season, uh, they've had injuries at run at both running back spots, uh, and they're still getting it done. Uh, ben Johnson certainly. Go one, one second. They've got the number two offense in the NFL. I S- Scott, I look at EPA per play. I look at the efficiency metrics and they are good, but they aren't uh the number one, number two team. They're they're up there. They are right,
0: fine. I look at scoring and they're number six. I look at total yards good. and they're number two. Yeah, that they're good. Yeah, they're they're good. I mean, if yeah. I'm starting to think again, we're thinking Detroit Lions here. You know, Detroit Lions. Yeah. Are in the same bucket as the Atlanta Falcons as far as franchises go. In fact, they're probably even lower. Mm-hmm. Falcons have had some pretty good success. The Detroit Lions have have not. Yeah. Uh, some of their success has been some with some amazing individuals. You know, Calvin Johnson, Barry Sanders, etc. Um, yeah. But to have them knocking on the door of top five and arguably all of this type of stuff, they're they're number two in total offense or number six in scoring offense. Again, scoring matters. Uh, Red zone efficiency matters. Getting the ball in the end zone matters. This guy's doing a really good job. Um, How serious of
1: a candidate do you think he will be in the offseason
0: for getting a head coaching job?
1: Uh, I mean, I'm surprised he didn't go last season. I love what Ben Johnson was doing with the Lions. I thought it was pretty shocking that he ended up going back to Detroit. I think that speaks a lot uh, well to Dan Campbell. Uh, One thing I would keep my eye on with the Lions is that Dan Campbell has emerged as a big-time dark horse candidate for that Texas A&M job. And if that, yes, Texas A&M has unbelievable money, and he is an alumni there, and there is some talk um, coming from there. That doesn't happen, though. When is a head NFL head coach of a playoff team gone gone into the college ranks? I can't think of it, but Texas A&M is a different money maker than uh, we see from almost anybody. We'll see. Um it's a yeah. it's a dark horse candidate, but that's one that uh, at least there is discussion of it right now, but like I said, Ben Johnson, they're the eighth overall offense this season behind the uh 49ers, Dolphins, Bills, Eagles, Cowboys, Chiefs, Chargers in terms of EPA per play. I think they're 10th. In DVOA. So that's a really good offense when you're considering you know your number one pass catching weapon is Amon Ra St. Brown. I'm out there. They're not dealing with a true, like, you know, I mean, he's great, don't get me wrong, but you know, highly drafted. Uh yeah, and no in a redraft, he'd go in the first. <laughs> if it was a redraft, yeah. And I, I liked him more than Michael Pittman in that USC team. But I digress. Uh, that's uh been really good there. The Jameer Gibbs, uh Sam, uh Sam Laporta as well. I mean, it's an offense that has been great. Like you mentioned, Scott, they're similar to the Falcons because it's run through the running backs. They have multiple that they get the best out of. Uh, They have a tight end that they drafted pretty high that he looks like the best rookie tight end we've seen in multiple years now, uh, statistically speaking, in Sam Laporta. So yeah, Ben Johnson has been uh, really good. I don't know. Sorry if I misheard and said and they're not a high power offense. I don't think they're a number one in terms of the efficiency uh, out there. I've in a head to head, you know, am I taking, you know, the 49ers over them? Yeah. Am I taking the Eagles over them? Yeah. Uh, but those are teams that have, you know. And the Dolphins are kind of different. in a different level. Yeah. <laughs> Talk about nuclear teams um, out there. I mean, heck, the Bills probably as well. But that's a, It's a different discussion. They're amazing. And he's probably the he has to be your number one um, candidate, I think, right now as well. There's a lot of other guys out here, Scott, that I have on a list that are worth listening to. Uh, but considering mm-hmm. how you built the team, considering everything that uh, is going on in Atlanta right now, Ben Johnson makes a lot of sense.
0: Uh, he was, he ended up being number one on my list as well. I wanted to ask you about him. John Harrell asked, where's that top five defense? Um, John, part of it is, we we've talked about this a lot for the Atlanta Falcons, that they, their inability to get pressure on the quarterback was not sustainable. Mm-hmm. And it's not. Uh, they've gotten, they've been pretty good in coverage, but Losing Onyemada and Grady Jarrett hurts. Uh, they forced double teams and free up, but they they, they were not getting pressure on, on, uh, on the quarterback without blitzing. That's not sustainable in the NFL. Professional quarterbacks will cut you to shreds. That they didn't in the first six games or so was, again, any given Sunday, week to week, but over the course of 17 games was not going to be sustainable. And you watch Kyler Murray sit back there and just have, all day long against a four-man rush uh josh dobbs the same way and then if you are rushing you lose containment those mobile quarterbacks are going for 20 yards a pop and extending drives um it was worse (laughs) than even it looked on the falcons yesterday their first four drives were three and out touchdown touchdown three and out okay that's not so bad those two touchdown drives were extended on defensive penalties on third down, or else they would have been punts. That's the Arizona Cardinals being the Arizona Cardinals. Those are bad football teams. The offense was even worse than uh, than we might actually think on that. Um, I've got a list here, but who would you say would be you know an, another guy that you would would look at as far as uh, head coaching candidates next year?
1: Well, I saw some comments in here. Did want to give a shout out to Shane M talking about the Kyle Shanahan tree. And there are multiple, I think somebody else brought up the Kyle Shanahan tree as well, but there are multiple uh, Kyle Shanahan disciples. And while it always does make me a little nervous, if you're copying the uh, flavor of the, I guess the year in terms of the Shanahan offense, because once somebody kind of figures out something going on there, then it's much easier to prepare for you, right? You're not a tendency breaker kind of team, but what the Kyle Shanahan offense has done in the league is hard to ignore. Um, and some of your best years of the Falcons offensively were the Kyle Shanahan offense, literally. Uh, So, uh, guys, I have two names here that are worth monitoring uh, in that in terms of the Kyle Shanahan tree. One is a little early, but it's been so hot that you have to at least consider him in Bobby Slowick for the Houston Texans, Mm -hmm. uh, what he's done opening up that team. uh, You know, they, Nico Collins, Tank Dell, uh, gosh, Dalton Schultz, Uh, at that team and obviously cj stroud uh they look great how much of it is the quarterback how much of it is uh, cj hard to say but bobby slowick has been awesome in houston so far and he's worth a sniff i think when you're talking about a rookie quarterback you can you can split the split it up a little bit we're not
0: talking about uh you know a 15-year veteran that keeps getting josh mcdaniel and charlie weiss hired yeah we're talking about a, a rookie and making any rookie quarterback get comfortable and how the success that CJ Stroud has, it has been having is also coaching. I have Slowick on my list. He's 36 years old with the Houston Texans. Um, th- this is a guy, speaking of dark horses, he did spend a little time in Georgia and won some hardware down here. Todd Monkin, 57-year-old offensive coordinator for the Baltimore Ravens. Uh, mm-hmm. they are having a terrific year on offense lamar jackson's on pace for an, an mvp type of year when their big questions were do they have enough weapons are going to turn a rookie into one maybe the rookie of the year todd monken 57 years old not necessarily that you know 30s guy that you like but maybe a little bit does this feel like the same old to y'all falcons fans if i were to say todd monken or would you feel like this would be innovative to a certain
1: extent but i i put him on my list yeah, he's been awesome. Uh, he's won in multiple spots now. He was on my list uh, as well. Uh, obviously had some good years out there with uh, Tampa Bay um, and uh, then ended up in the NFL rank or college ranks and did a lot of good things at Georgia and looks to be a really good marriage. There with, uh Lamar Jackson right now. I would be curious what his market is like uh, this season, given his age and given how unbelievable net defenses on the other side of the ball at Baltimore, which brings me to my next guy and Mike McDonald. Um, Mm -hmm. I know that offense is you pretty much have to have the offense uh, in the NFL, but we've had a defensive renaissance this season. I think we've gone over the numbers in here too, Scott. Uh, Passing EPA is down 25 years, low scoring is down 25 years, low Uh, explosive plays from the offense are down 25 years, low Uh, red zone. Offense conversion rate is like at a 15 year low in the NFL and a big reason that defenses have been so good, uh, a lot of it has to do with uh, the Vic Fangio, uh, too deep safety, you know, disguising the coverage, uh, declaring after the snap. But some of it does have to do with what teams are doing with pressure up front. And nobody is leading that front more so than Mike McDonald with Baltimore. Uh, he's taking a lot of great athletes. Don't get me wrong, but it's not like first round pick after first round pick, blue chipper after blue chipper on that defensive line for Baltimore. They're just deep and a lot of different skill sets and man they are super versatile and fun to get after it mcdonald's a rising superstar he was awesome his one season at michigan as well before he went harbaugh to harbaugh um going from michigan to baltimore and he's just been he's been unbelievable there nobody's doing what he's doing schematically so i'd keep an eye out for him
0: i feel like the falcons will want to go offense i agree is is one of the reasons especially with all the investment they put on that side of the ball which is one of the reason pretty much every guy on my list is offense but mike mcdonald i think is 37 36 years old as mm-hmm. Angela says, the Baltimore Ravens defensive coordinator, uh, someone to look at. Dante Spate says, and I've seen this before. Uh, we need Eric Bieniemy as our head coach. Um I I just don't see the resume there, honestly. The, the big question coming in for him, he wasn't the quarterback coach in Kansas City. He didn't call plays in Kansas City. It's it, it became one of those things like, well, you know, what exactly do, do you do here? Um He's getting his first chance and he needed to. He needed to get out from under Andy Reid's shadow and go into Washington, where he's having some success. Now I haven't compared it to last year to see, okay, well, yeah, Scott, average is really a big improvement, but that's where that Washington Commanders offense is. It's it's average. It's dead in the middle in total yards. It's actually well behind, actually not well behind, but it is behind the Atlanta Falcons in total yards. And it's 21.7 in scoring, which is just okay. Now again, it is the commanders. I know. So how much improvement do they have year to year? That would that would be a little more telling to me. But there's other guys that have had more success, including uh, a guy that I put on my list, Brian Johnson, um, Philadelphia Eagles, who has stepped into Shane Steichen's spot uh, as offensive coordinator, and Steichen is doing a wonderful job over uh, at, at, with the Indianapolis Colts. So Brian Johnson. Mm-hmm. Um, who is, I put his picture on the cover of this, of this, uh, this episode, Philadelphia Eagles, young guy, he's just 36 years old. You know, is that what you're looking for? Uh, is, are, are y'all, would y'all be interested in, in youth out there? And then, uh, real quick, cause we're running short on time. D'Angelo also comes in with a guy that you have to think about here is, is Jim Harbaugh out of mm-hmm. Michigan. Now he's flirted with the NFL several times, but is he now dug in at Michigan saying us against the world, or is he going to just basically say, I've had enough of this BS. I want to go, I want to go to the NFL where I don't have to worry about NIL and all of this, this, you know, the recruiting stuff and getting in trouble for this guy, buying a you know, buying this guy a cheeseburger when this quarterback over here is making $10 million, the hypocrisy of the NCAA, would grade on my nerves beyond Mm. belief if I had the opportunity to jump to the NFL.
1: It's possible uh, that he could make the jump to the NFL. Uh, Seems like they've been flirtations for years now. He's a different kind of guy. So not every team is interested in him. I will say that if he does make the jump to the NFL, I do not think it is the Falcons uh, for him. He's been linked a lot with the Chicago bears. If that position had become a, does become available and also another one i think he does have a personal relationship with the uh, the davis family so vegas is a really interesting team as well where they could pay him you know a lot of money and set him up uh pretty nicely there so we'll see what happens with harbaugh if he does become available he's definitely one that could uh be an option i also wanted to just real quick i hate talking about this stuff but it is reality eric enemy um the the thing the reason the enemy one of the reasons he hasn't really gotten a shot at the nfl is because there is a litany of background issues uh with him during his time at cu boulder uh multiple assault charges duis also cover up uh helping in cover-ups with uh colorado football players sexual assaulting um women like a systemic like cover-up there at cu with B enemy so uh, he has some ugly stuff in his background is one of the reasons that he hasn't gotten the chance to get that jump
0: right and and also i'm trying to i'm trying to keep that separate in case he becomes an option Cause mm-hmm. right now I don't think his resume gets in the door.
1: It's not, and, but and that's I, where I am right yeah. now.
0: Yeah. Um, so it's like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna put that in a box and just say, I don't think that's even relevant right now, because I don't think he's been, he's proven enough in order to become a head coach. I want him to have a little more success as an offensive coordinator first. Mm-hmm. And I haven't quite seen that Ray is pretty coming in a little late. As we are getting out of here, um, and then we will go the full hour on Wednesday, where y'all can can vent a little bit more. As we're getting out of here, I just want to sum up the five guys I had on my list. I had Ben Johnson, Offensive Coordinator, Detroit Lions. Todd Monken, Offensive Coordinator, Baltimore Ravens. Brian Johnson, Offensive Coordinator. You're going to notice a, 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 a theme here. Uh, Brian Johnson, 36 years old, Offensive Coordinator, uh, Philadelphia Eagles. Bobby Slowick. 36 years old, offensive coordinator, Houston Texans. And then Jim Harbaugh, head coach at Michigan. Could be available if he's tired of dealing with the hypocrisy of the NCAA. Those were five on my list. Who did I miss that you said Mike McDonald, Baltimore Ravens?
1: Mm -hmm. And uh, we said pretty much a lot of the same ones. I did have one more uh, on here that you didn't mention that. I think he's done a really good job considering the youth and some limitations at quarterback uh, and he's done it now for multiple years. Uh, Shane Waldron at Seattle has been very good as an offensive coordinator and schemer there. What he's done with Geno Smith. He is also a off the tr- the tree of Kyle Shanahan. And I've been, I mean, Seattle ran into a buzzsaw with Baltimore. They've been some up and down, but I've liked the scheme. They've been dealing with injuries at both tackle spots uh, this season. I thought that uh, I think that Shane Waldron is somebody to keep an eye on as well this cycle. I think his time has come that, it's probably very soon that he will get a shot
0: i think that's a good shout i think he has done a really good job he made i feel like sometimes these coaches should get uh, a percentage like agents do Yeah. he made geno smith a lot of money a lot of money um so i think that is a good shout as well andrew norman likes it so uh we're gonna hop out of here right now uh those are some of the options so there will be several there are gonna be there weren't that many teams that turned over last year, Nick. Of uh, mm-hmm. it was like five, I think, at most. Um, if I look at well, we mentioned uh, I think I think uh Chris just said Harbaugh played for the Bears, it's a definite possibility. So, you know who else would be a definite possibility for Jim Harbaugh? The Bears.
1: That's what we're saying. <laughs> yeah.
0: When we yeah. start looking at competition, who are you going to be in competition for these guys with? If our, if there is a falconi, uh, falconing, if there is an opening in Atlanta, the Bears could have an opening as well. Uh, let's see, who else could have opening? And then we're going to hop out of here. The Patriots could have an opening. The Giants, do you think the Giants would stick with Dayball for another year?
1: I mean, it looks so bad there right now that they might go on from him. It's like an institutional kind of thing. Like it's not his fault that they are totally this bad. It's a roster issue and injuries, but like, there's levels to it, right? So they look they look like they're falling apart.
0: I I uh, I think so too. I'd be interested in Dayball. <laughs> hey, you want to come down here and be an offensive coordinator and 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 do it for a year? I'd be interested in him to rehab yeah. his career for a year. Um, I think Arizona's safe with a first year head coach. We mentioned the Bears. How about the Packers? Uh. Three and six, and not looking so good. I think they could be another NFC North uh, blue blood program that's open. And then you always there's two more. I think you keep an eye on here. Well, Rivera in Washington, but Sean McVay is always a question in LA. What about Vrabel
1: in Tennessee? I mean, if if him or Billichick become available, uh, you'd have to be at least a little uh, interested there. So. I'm with you on the most part uh, that it is an offensive guys here and there, but did want to give a shout out to red swarm here. No love for Ryan Nielsen. I, he should get an interview. Uh, and I think that possibly maybe even pretend uh, brought him back on the staff as well. Although whoever the head coaches, you want to make sure you give them the the lane to bring in their own guys. But Nielsen's been good for the the Falcons overall this season. Has he done well enough multiple seasons now where it's like, yeah, that guy's a head coaching candidate. I don't know. It's always going to be harder for the defensive coordinators. They have to prove it multiple years in a row, compared to where everybody wants the offense. If you do a hot shot one time, you are going to be on lists. But uh, Nielsen should get an interview in the least.
0: Yeah, I, if if the if the Falcons were to make a move during the bye week, I'd probably elevate Nielsen to uh, interim head coach. But for me, Nielsen doesn't have the resume that stacks up as for for some of these other guys. And with I, I feel I really do feel like, especially after Mike Smith, especially after Dan Quinn especially after three straight top 10 picks, especially with $40 million in your offensive line, they're going to go with an offensive head coach because they do not want the turnover on the offensive coordinator if they have success. That's how it works. If you have success as a coordinator, you're going to get a move as a head coach, and it is a lot harder to replace offensive coordinators year after year after year after year than it is to replace defensive coordinators, I, I think. Um, but that's what I think. And we're going to hop out of here. We'll be back on Wednesday. Thanks everybody for stopping in uh, special. Thank you to red swarm for the super chat and Edward Brown who came in earlier with the super chat. So thank you all very much. Uh, if this is your first time here, we got a lot of viewers hit that like and subscribe button or give it a share. I do check back and see all those shares that y'all do on Facebook. I love it. It helps us out a ton. If you like us, give us a like. It gives you alerts when we're going to be back. We are on this cha- these channels Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, talking football. Monday and Wednesday is Falcons, and we'll get into draft and all that stuff. And then Friday is NFL football. Nick and I are going to hop over to YouTube.com/slash/MileHighHuddle and talk some Broncos and preview the Bills and Broncos game right now. So we're out of here, and we will see you next time. Peace.